Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you guys for your listing or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And it's the Monaco Grand Prix preview, guys. Huge, huge week in the Formula One calendar, usually one of the jewels, if not the absolute crystal in the Formula One crown. The Monaco Grand Prix stands alone as a one-off event in the calendar of course it does contribute to the world championship contrary to some of the beliefs of some formula one fans of course we'll get into that discussion a bit later on but we are going to go through the monaco grand prix weekend and basically give our thoughts and opinions on who we think is going to shine and who we think may have work to do joining me on this episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast as always is my co-host mr courtney pine courtney how are you doing this afternoon are you okay yeah, hello everyone. Um, I'm doing great. You know, things in the UK continue to improve. I had my first pint in the pub yesterday, which was an emotional moment. But good I times saw, in the yeah. UK. Yeah, I had, I had to post it over the socials, of course. I did, yeah, I, I did see that. And uh, I'm not going to lie, that was rather a foreign image to me, really. I've not been able to indulge in that myself, although I'm sure I will take part in that eventually. But uh, it just seems so long ago. It's been nearly 18 months something like that mm-hmm. since we were able to do something like, probably not that long but it does feel like an it absolute that eternity so um yeah it, it's the little things you know in life that you take for granted and you don't realize how great they are until uh until you're not able to do them but thankfully hopefully those days will be coming back to us very very soon at least in the uk of course the rest of the world have their own different story and wherever you are listening to or watching the dnf1 f1 podcast hopefully things are improving where you are and thoughts out there to those who are not having it as good as we are at the moment so we do appreciate that one thing i do want to say though to those that are watching this podcast thank you so much to those of you that have recently subscribed to the channel and joined the dnf1 family it means a lot to us that so many of you are choosing to watch our content and more importantly you're actually enjoying it as well and the feedback has been so great so many of you have commented on our videos and said how much you enjoyed listening and watching them of course we really really appreciate that of course if you are one of the newer fans that 
haven't yet decided to subscribe to the channel, please consider doing so. If you do enjoy our content, we've got plenty more in store for the coming year. We would love it if you would subscribe to the channel and of course, help us reach our goals and targets, which we are still setting rather ambitiously at a thousand subscribers. And we've got a lot recently. Please, please, please consider liking the video and subscribing to the channel. Let's not forget those of you that have chosen to listen to our podcast. If you're not able to watch it, you can also listen to it on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon as well. Plenty of others I haven't mentioned, but you can definitely check it out on most podcasting platforms. Thank you so much for those of you that are choosing to listen to the podcast on the go. We really, really, really appreciate it. And we really enjoy making content for you guys. So thank you so much for that. All the pleasantries out of the way. Let's get into the discussion, Courtney, the Monaco Grand Prix preview. Now, of course, there's no better place to start than at the very, very front of the field. Lewis Hamilton right now, the best ever start he has made to a world championship in his career. It's almost crazy to imagine that he's won so much and yet he's still reaching new heights. Three wins out of the first four races, looking the heavy favourite once again, or perhaps not, but we'll get into that soon enough. But Courtney... I've got to ask you right now, realistically speaking, even though we're going to a track that traditionally may suit the Red Bull car more than the Mercedes in the race, is there anybody out there that can stop Lewis Hamilton realistically? Or is he just in too purple patch of form for anybody, even Max Verstappen, to lay a glove on him right now? I think there's one person that can stop him, and that is Max. Um, There's definitely a good opportunity for him to do it this weekend. But to be frank, they have to do it this weekend because if they don't win this weekend and Lewis has another solid race, that's a sizable gap in the championship. And, you know, and, and given the progress, that slow progress, be it Mercedes are making, that's, that's going to be a lot for Red Bull to, to sort of catch up with in the championship. And also given, I feel like I'm repeating myself here, so sorry for those of you who listen regularly, but we're going into the phase now where teams are going to be putting their minds to next season. And so I'm, I'm kind of, I've mixed using it. So as a Lewis Hamilton fan, I'm loving it. But I'm slightly concerned that if Mercedes carry on winning, that Red Bull might give in in a few races time and think about next season. So, so I just hope that Max keeps the championship alive for the neutral fans. Yeah, and we certainly hope that Red Bull decide not to abandon, or, you know, they decide not to abandon the championship at, you know, at this such an early stage. I mean, we want this to go right to the end. We feel it has the potential to do so. But of course, it can only happen if Red Bull, as the challengers, decide to keep fighting all the way to the end. Mercedes will be under no obligation to keep developing their car if they feel they have the championship in the bag. And of course, Mercedes are never really one to be arrogant or overconfident but they may feel that they have a driver-team partnership right now, which is almost untouchable in this era of Formula One. And evidence would suggest that that is probably the case. With that being said, though, you're absolutely right, Courtney. Red Bull and Max Verstappen have to respond this weekend. We have so often said on this season alone that Red Bull look like they have a package and a driver that are capable of winning every race that they compete in. And we, we still feel that that is the case. Of course, yeah. But credit to Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton in particular on certain circuits which have suited their car on at least the race day, such as Portimao and Spain, of course, contrary to what we said last time, because we felt it was the other way, but we were obviously wrong. This is a track that you probably feel that Red Bull should have a more competitive car than perhaps they have done at, at Catalonia and Portimao. So because of that, 
you're absolutely right in pointing out that they have to absolutely maximize the advantage that they may seemingly have. And in Max Verstappen right now, he doesn't have the best track record in Monaco. Of course, in 2019, he had that brilliant battle to the end of the race with Lewis Hamilton, where he narrowly came up short. Of course, they went together. Lewis had to go over at the Nouvelle Chicane, although to be fair, there was nowhere else he could go, so he was forced off. But other than that, Max has never really been in a position where you probably feel that he could win this Monaco Grand Prix until this weekend. So, you know, all the ifs and buts and maybes. Well, before we get back to Mercedes, we might as well ask the question of Verstappen, Courtney. First of all, do you feel that he has to win this weekend to, you know, really ignite this championship challenge? And if so, do you think he can if he fights Lewis Hamilton again, as he did last week? I think the next two races are vital. So I think even if you look at Baku, I think some of the characteristics that track as well should suit, particularly the um, the street sections. Obviously, it's the street circuit. But apart from that long straight, certain parts of that circuit should suit the Red Bull car. So the next two races are vital. I think Red Bull needs to win at least one of those. So if they lose this weekend, yes, it's a big bet, but it's not the end of the world. But if, hypothetically speaking, Lewis goes on to outscore Max in the next two races... That's a lot of ground for them to um, to catch up on. And with, with regards to Max, I think in terms of his confidence, look, again, there's there's no denying that how great he is at driving. He's, he's fantastic. And I do think he's going to dominate the sport in the future. But in terms of his confidence, winning at a circuit that hasn't suited him, you know, throughout his career, if he was to win that, that would give his confidence a massive boost. So I think this could be the first vital race in this championship battle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've already, we've often talked up key moments in this championship already. Of course, the battle between the two of them that really never panned out at Imola after the first couple of corners. Bahrain, no exception. That was definitely a race that Red Bull should have won and didn't. Um, but other than that, it's probably gone the way that the, well, the book or the experts would probably say it would go. Um or, or the form guide, if you like, would say it would go. And so we come to a race here where Red Bull, obviously under huge pressure, strategies, calls and, you know, stuff that's going on in the team have been put under some scrutiny. I think what we're seeing in Red Bull Corny is for the first time in this turbo hybrid era, they're being put in a position where they have a car and driver combination that should win races and can challenge for a world championship and seriously challenge for a world championship. And because of that, there's a lot more scrutiny on every single tactical decision that they make on strategy and everything that they do as a team, either to support or hinder Max's chances of winning a race. In Spain, we probably got one of the latter ones where they obviously gambled on a strategy that did seem quite sound at the time, but Mercedes basically caught them with their pants down. And Lewis, once again, as he did in Hungary 2019, getting that result. Does this mean that we should be putting extra pressure on Red Bull for the sake of this championship to make sure that they continue to perform the way that they were when there was no pressure on them, where they had the freedom to conduct these strategies? Or do we need to try and give them a bit of leeway here? Because this is a position they've not really been in for seven years. So, yeah, that could be a bit rusty. Well, yeah, but if you have a look at this circuit in particular, yes, Pole is important. I'd say pole is probably as important at this circuit than any other. And that's where I feel Red Bull have the advantage. So at this stage, I really do believe that Max will get pole and he will be in a dominant position for the race. But vitally, the only thing that can really go wrong, apart from mechanical failure, for Red Bull and Max, if they end up on pole, 
is strategy. And the big problem for Red Bull this season is strategy has been the issue. Mercedes have been sublime with strategy. So if Red Bull do start on pole and Lewis is able to keep up with them, I think if we go into the end of the first stint and Lewis is right on the back of Max, I think that's when the the advantage will shift in um, favour of Mercedes. Absolutely. And there's obviously the chance that we could find Max and Lewis fighting each other in the race. And Max may try to go for a move at the Nouvelle Chicane, or perhaps Lewis might try to do the same um, or, or at Vervatsa, you know, is always an opportunity to overtake there. So, you know, these cars are so wide as well. It's going to be so hard to find overtaking opportunities. So you almost feel that, as you mentioned, Courtney, qualifying is going to be critical. Now, we don't need to ask the question about Lewis Hamilton and qualifying. I mean, there's no greater partnership or no greater duo than Lewis Hamilton and pole position. We know that. So given that Max Verstappen potentially has missed out on pole, probably two times this season where he probably should have got it. Is there a bit of added pressure that perhaps Max is starting to feel that he's not able to hook up that perfect lap together? Because for argument's sake, at Portimao and at Catalonia in particular, maybe Imola, if, you, if you're pushing it, he could have got pole position, looked like he was going to get it, but then comes off second best against Lewis. Well, I think if you have a look through Max's career, I think his, his racecraft is brilliant. But if you're going to be really harsh to somebody who has the potential to beat an all-time F1 great like Max, you have no doubt he will be, the only slight critique I would have for him is his qualifying. Because even during his like early years at Red Bull, there would be times where he struggled against Daniel Ricciardo, for example. Dan- Daniel could. There were times where Daniel would um, out-qualify him. The race pace, I'd say, is almost perfect. But it's definitely, if he wants to be a multiple world champion, and we're going into an era where the cars could well be closer. I think that's the only part of Max's racecraft that needs fine-tuning, and that's his qualifying pace. Mm, absolutely right. Um, seeing as we're talking about Red Bull, before we go back to Mercedes briefly, let's talk about Sergio Perez as well, because Sergio Perez, to this point, has not necessarily played up to the number two role, at least as a rear gunner at Red Bull for Max Verstappen this season in the championship, whereas Valtteri Bottas has for Lewis at Mercedes, as we expected him to do. So is this the perfect opportunity now for Sergio Perez, particularly the way qualifying is so paramount, to really become a factor in this championship and really support Red Bull's charge and, of course, Max Verstappen's in the process? Well, again, we're going into a race where strategy is key and it's vital, it's absolutely vital for Sergio Perez to be in a mix because if we go into a traditional situation where you have two Mercedes in a front three, then that's the strategy advantage yet again goes to Mercedes. So this is a big weekend, not only for Max, but for Red Bull as a team with the driver pairing that they have. Mm. And you're absolutely right with this because these are the sorts of weekends where Sergio Perez, now that he's had a few races to settle into this car, more and more so he probably feels that he's getting on top of the car rather than the car driving him per se. But there is still those issues that he's been having in qualifying with the exception of Imola, he hasn't really been at the races and you know this is going to be an important weekend for Perez to get that right we know he's a good qualifier you know there's no doubt in that it's not a case of Red Bull have signed a great race driver but a poor qualifier that's not that's not the case but he has to start doing that and this weekend more than most he will be punished severely if he doesn't find himself at least on the two on the front two rows of the grid so you know, for Perez, 
I, I'm not quite sure where he's head at in terms of how he sees this championship. Perhaps he was very ambitious. He might have a chance at the start of the season, but I think already he's probably felt that he just needs to focus on his race and make sure that he can do the job for Red Bull. I'm not sure if you feel that way as well, Corny. Yeah, the only the only thing that he can kind of get a little bit leniency with is, again, with the specifics of this track, so many things can go wrong, particularly in the qualifying session. We have seen, historically, so many good qualifying laps ruined by a yellow or a red flag. And these things can happen out of nowhere. So there could well be incidents that Rob Perez of an opportunity to be at the top, but that could happen to absolutely anybody. So all he needs to do is just focus on his own on his own race and hope for the best because luck does come into it. I think that's another thing that's worth bearing in mind for this race. Mm. And tyre management as well is obviously mm-hmm. key. And I think Perez knows better than most how to get the best out of his tyres. So if something does happen in the race, like a safety car or something quite early on, or perhaps in the middle part of the opening stint, which will be relatively long, I'd imagine, I mean, I'm guessing the leaders are going to be trying to get through to Q3 on the medium tyres. We may see a few guys do that this weekend. But uh, Perez in particular, it will be critical that he can manage his race the right way. And I'm sure he's getting better at it. Hopefully this weekend we will start to see Perez becoming a factor in this fight with Red Bull and Mercedes. Let's talk about Mercedes number two now, Valtteri Bottas, who... The last couple of races in particular, despite having a very slow start to the season, seems to have picked up his pace to a level that Mercedes will be happy to use him in this fight against Red Bull and Max Verstappen in particular. So with that in mind, obviously the only driver that isn't going to be, the only person that's not going to be happy about this is Valtteri Bottas. Of course, he wants to be challenging for race wins and world championships in order to save his seat. And that may be the only way he can do that. But how do you see his weekend going, Corny? Do you feel that this could be a perfect opportunity for Valtteri to put together one of his performances where he can be untouchable? Or do you feel that he would be better off just keeping himself ahead of the Red Bulls and then they'll see what they can do about Lewis ahead of him, maybe? He's in a similar position to Perez, but if not a more severe one, because, you know, we've discussed this so many times, I'm sure many other channels have. We're going into... a, a really few vital races for Valtteri that could define his career. So this could be a great opportunity for him because he has beaten Lewis. He has proven that he can beat Lewis on a Saturday. He's generally struggled more on a Sunday in comparison to Lewis. So this could be a vital opportunity for him to prove a point because winning at Monaco is great for any F1 driver CV. So he has to nail it this weekend, I feel, because if he carries on the next two, three races, I think that's that. I reckon that's his Mercedes career over. Yeah, there's always that shadow of doubt that's probably existed in his mind. I don't know if Valtteri's able to block this out. I mean, he's a professional athlete with a very, very strong mental, uh, very strong head on his shoulders. So mentally, he's probably a lot better at blocking it out than we perhaps we give him credit for. I mean, the amount of criticism and not necessarily abuse, but you know, the, the amount of words that he's probably been hearing from people, the articles that he's probably read saying that he's finished or he's not quite there. You know, as harsh as that sounds, it probably gets to him somewhat. But I I was on a podcast not long ago and one of the guests on it uh, actually mentioned something quite interesting in that Valtteri Bottas tends to set his car up for qualifying more than the race, which is why he tends to fall away in the race as his tyres start to go. So, you know, I, I didn't realise that was something Valtteri did. Usually I'm quite in tune with stuff like that, but no, this was one that surprised me. I mean, with that in mind... That could prove to be a benefit this weekend because if he manages to get himself track position in qualifying, 
particularly over his teammate, that could create an interesting scenario, like we saw in Spain, where Valtteri's not exactly going to move out of Lewis's way and that he may have to force Lewis Hamilton to the detriment of the team and, of course, Lewis going for a championship here, you know, to overtake Valtteri Bottas, which could, at Monaco, more than anywhere else, you know, create a situation that might cause chaos. I mean, perhaps on the lines of what we saw between Rosberg and Hamilton in 2016. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's likely, you know, we've, we both agreed that Valtteri's better on a Saturday. Um, we could see a situation where we could see some real drama at Mercedes. I'm sure Toto Wolff will be having a stern word with the pair of them. But I don't know. I, I think, like, if you put yourself into Valtteri's shoes, if he feels he's almost, you know, if he's fighting for his own career and, you know, being the perfect wingman, as everyone loves to say, that's not going to save his job, I thought, at this point. So he might have to get his elbows out, obviously within the rules, in order to save his career. So we might see a hungry Valtteri Bottas. Well, he needs to be. It's, it's the same as that. He needs to nail it in the next race or so. Yeah, and it's something, me personally, I've not seen enough of Valtteri. And I think that one of the biggest critiques I have of Valtteri Bottas, and with all respect to him, there aren't many of them because they do rate him very, very highly. But it's that we often see glimpses of this Valtteri 2.0, if you like, or the Valtteri Bottas that's more defiant, doesn't give a crap, if you like, about what everyone else is saying, just does his race and fights for himself. I want to see that version of Valtteri Bottas week in, week out. And sometimes I feel like for one reason or another, he has to really be egged on by someone or if it's himself or whatever to really just stand be defined. You know what? I don't care what you guys think. F you lot or to, even to his own team. And what he said last week, I'm not going to make it easy for Lewis. He's going to have to overtake me. I love that. Not because I want to see Mercedes trip over themselves, but I love to see a driver in a position that he is in and just be defined and say, well, I'm going to do what I do. And if that's, you know, you guys don't like that, then tough. But if I'm delivering results, then you can't get rid of me. Of course, there's so many more factors um, and facets to the conversation of who's going to be Hamilton's teammate, assuming Hamilton signs a new deal, as we talked about in our last podcast. If you haven't checked that out, make sure to do so. I'll leave a, a little card at the top there if you want to click to that. But, um, you know, that's the sort of thing we need Valtteri to be doing more often. I think people have been crying out for it for about two or three years now. So hopefully we can see more of that this weekend and hopefully Valtteri can really be in the mix as Perez should be as well. Um, I'm guessing, Courtney, that we're expecting the winner of the Monaco Grand Prix to come from one of those four. So I know you put out a poll to our followers on Instagram. Um, And we've got the handle below if you haven't seen already, guys. DNF1 underscore official for Twitter and Instagram. So make sure to follow that for extra content on top of what we already do. But um, what did our followers on Instagram predict? Well, yeah, I'll I'll put the, um, I gave the options. So the three, shall we say, the usual uh, podium sitters. So Lewis, Max and Bottas. And then I gave the other option. So 52% of you voted for Verstappen, 39% for Lewis, 9% for other. So poor Valtteri Bottas didn't even get a single vote. So you never know, Adam, if he wins the race or he's somehow, for whatever reason, watch this podcast, he might give a little mention to the haters in our, in our poll that didn't give him a chance to win this race when he wins. Well, I've just gone and give him a big pep talk or a Coach Carter-level inspirational, motivational talk to basically G him up this weekend. And basically our followers don't agree and they've just torn it down. So never mind. Um, 
but you know you know I can understand why we may feel this way even though Valtteri has showed moments this season already that he's up for a fight he's not been able to sustain that over the course of the race and more often than not does tend to get bettered by not only Lewis but Max as well uh, as we saw in Portimao and Catalonia so yeah I I think we'll get into our predictions towards the end of this episode Um, but let's move on to McLaren now it's a big weekend for McLaren Um, two reasons one Monaco, they love the event. It's always been traditionally a good race for them. And, you know, it's going to be a great opportunity for Lando and Ricardo to really dig their heels in and try to fight off this Ferrari resistance, a fight back that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. But another good reason for uh, this weekend for McLaren is the new classic livery that we saw, the Golf Air inspired livery that um, obviously paying homage to their sponsors. And I've got to say, Courtney, it looks absolutely stunning. I love this livery. Um, I've got to say, it's probably my new favourite looking car this season. It's a shame that we're only going to see it for the Monaco Grand Prix only. But uh, what did you make of the livery? So I had mixed feelings on it. So let's not take away from how good this car looks. But the build-up to this... And look, we, we actually dedicated a section to our last episode on the hype that's been created for this. So they set up a stream. You know, yeah, tuning in at 6 p.m., you know, very, very ominous. Like, we thought it was going to be big announcement. We're talking about them potentially joining Formula E, maybe a potential driver change. You know, that's what the rumours are going around. And it just turned out to be delivery. So I was just kind of sat there, like, when I, when, I watched the, when I watched the stream, I was sat there like, yeah, okay, this is nice. But I was expecting so much more. Yeah, boy, were we wrong. Um, but, you know, it... it I heard from a few people on the day that it was going to be a livery change or a a special livery for this weekend. Mm. And I agree with you on this one. As much as I love the look of it and love the design, it looks absolutely fantastic. You know, fantastic job by McLaren and Golf Air in particular to get this livery out for Monaco. Um, But I'm with you on this one. I was kind of hoping for a big announcement. And especially because of the build-up, it wasn't just McLaren themselves building this up. It was journalists that were invited to a specific event. We didn't get an invite, unfortunately. So, you know, no hard feelings, McLaren. But, you know, come on. Um, I thought you loved us. But that being said, yeah, it it did feel a little bit flat. All of that build-up and that tension about what it would be, all just for a livery. And, you know, I think about Ferrari last season when they went to the 1000th Grand Prix in Mugello and they had the special livery design and everything else. But we knew about this weeks in advance. Mm. And of course, Ferrari being Ferrari, we're going to do a massive event for the occasion, despite the shortcomings that they were facing in the championship, you know, for the one night we could forget all about that and just celebrate Ferrari. Um, and, you know, that was fine, but there wasn't like any teasers or any major announcements or anything like, you know, this is special livery for Mugello. It looks fantastic. Great. But when we heard all that from McLaren, I was kind of hoping for more. Maybe I'm being nitpicky, but I've never seen a team no. in memory make that much fuss over a new livery. When these kind of, <laughs> all that build-up kind of reserved for something a little bit more substantial than just a change of paint for one weekend. Well, yeah, it was, get, it was getting mentioned like days and days and days beforehand. So like, usually if there's like a livery like, reveal. Usually hear about about a day or two before, so, you know, it's just delivery bill. Yeah, it's all nice and everything. We give it a little mention in the media, but this was mentioned what almost a week before. Mm. So you'd think with something that has had like that much attention on it, it must be something big. But 
we fell for it. We got duped by the hype train, and we've got to learn from it and move on from it. Adam. Well, they were talking about like the future for McLaren. I'm like, well, okay, um, the future being next weekend, but what about after that? Um, I, I mean, one topic of discussion that we probably could, you know, uh, introduce from this is the Monaco Grand Prix itself, and that. You know, traditionally, it's a circuit that has been on the calendar from the very, very beginning. It's had such great heritage. It's it's almost like a standalone race in the way that the Indy 500 is, um, you know, in the Indy Championship. And of course, you know, Le Mans as well in the World Endurance Championship. They're like standalone events. Of course, they do contribute to the championship. I don't think Indy does um, in that regard. I think it's just a one-off exhibition race, but it obviously very prestigious. But Monaco... It serves like any other race, but it's so unique in that people don't necessarily tune into the Monaco Grand Prix expecting to see a classic. You do get the occasional one, um, you know, the, the Senna Mansell one in 92, um, obviously, you know, the one in 20, was it 2019? 19, yeah. And of course, Ricardo's redemption um, in 2018 as well. So, you know, those are just a few off the top of the hat. There's several more in Monaco, but you know, most years you don't go, Oh, that's so much overtaking in Monaco. You know, it's absolutely exciting from lap one to lap 78. You don't always get that. So for me, I always think an alternative to try and appease the casual fans, if you like, as well as the purists that will just, we will sit and watch a two hour race, whether it's exciting or boring and still love the sport. So F1 doesn't need to appeal to us on that regard. They just give us 20 cars around a track and eventually Lewis Hamilton wins. That's fine. But, for some of the casuals and for an extra thing for us, I don't see why it would be a bad idea for perhaps all teams to treat this as like a one-off retro historic event where they bring out a special livery for on their cars. I mean, they are permitted to have one for a specific occasion, not to change it for the season. So I don't see why, why they don't do that. I mean, what do you think, Corny? Would that be a good idea to have for the Monaco Grand Prix, for everyone to kind of have their own special livery on their car for this one-off event? Well, yeah, it's something different. Um, it kind of touches into like the history because one of the the drawing points of the Monaco Grand Prix is its history. Um, and you're right, you, it does need to be spiced up a bit because I have very mixed feelings on Monaco. I think it, I reckon it's the best qualifying session of the season. But I'd go as far to say it's usually the worst race. But the other thing that does go in Monaco's favour is if there's rain or there's a couple of crashes which completely mess up the strategies for the teams. If you have an incident free at Monaco, it's awful. But you have to watch the Monaco Grand Prix because it could change just like that. Uh, but the problem with Monaco is, is that you can't exactly change the whip of the track because it's obviously like they're, they're tight old-fashioned streets. Mm. So I think you're right. A simple solution is to give the cars like a little bit of a glam up just to make the event a little bit more sort of interesting for the fans to watch. It kind of goes with the whole, um, I was going to say charade, it's not that, but it's going to go with the whole show, the whole event. I mm. mean, you've got the glitz and the glamour, almost, it's almost like going to like a massive premiere event for like a blockbuster film or night at the Oscars or something. It's like a celebration of Formula One. So I don't see why we can't add to that. All the drivers bring special crash helmet designs. They have special race suits and stuff like this. I've seen some special liveries in the past. I remember an interesting story regarding the Jaguar back in, I think it was 2001 or so, or it might be a bit later actually, where they had, I think it was like a, a diamond worth $30,000 in their car, in the front nose of their car. And the funny story was it got stolen. Um, 
because the car had crashed. I think it was Mark Webber's Jaguar had crashed at the time. I can't remember what year it was. Someone would have to remind me. It might be 2003 or something. And yeah, the, the diamond got stolen from oh, when the car was being returned. So yeah, not, not sure what happened to it. But, you know, obviously they went a bit crazy with their designs. But, you know, stuff like that. Why not? It's Monaco, baby. Just, yeah, why not? But uh, let us know what you think. You know, would, would you like to see Monaco introduce something like that as a one-off event for the season? Or do you feel perhaps something else that comes to mind that might make it interesting. I mean, the newer cars next season, which will be a bit smaller, might make it easy to overtake at Monaco. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, it's never really been easy to overtake around Monaco anyway. So I don't think it's going to get any easier with these cars. No, and yeah, I want to get like a little bit, I'm going to sound a little bit sad here. I think one of the little things that bothers me about Monaco is when you come out of the tunnel, when, saying, yeah, when the drivers come out of the tunnel, that's probably the best opportunity to overtake around the entire circuit. But the problem is, it's so bumpy. We've seen some high-profile crashes, particularly in qualifying. It's so bumpy, it doesn't allow the two cars to go side by side. I don't know. I'm, I'm no expert in tarmac lane, but I just don't know if they, if, if they were able to smooth that line out there, particularly next season where it should be easier to overtake. They could somehow change the, the, the sort of... Oh, what's the word? The sort of the, the hilling of the circuit, if there is a word. If those mm. are make that more smooth, that could that could turn into an overtaking opportunity next season. Oh, well, you mean the crest? Yeah. Yeah. I I, rem- I know what you mean, but it kind of adds to the challenge of the street circuit, all of the bumps and stuff like mm. that. So, and especially when it's raining, of course, that sort of interchange between dry and wet conditions is crazy. Um, I, I For some reason, when you were saying that, I was having flashbacks, I think it was to 2004 or 2003, where Michael Schumacher and one Montoya had a collision where Montoya drove into Schumacher behind the safety car and it took both of them out of the race, funny enough, because... I think it was 2004 because one of the only races Michael didn't win that year. And I think it was because of that incident. But anyway, let me know, guys, if, you, if I'm wrong and you've got the right year, etc. Just, you know, my memory's not quite what it was. Um, that being said, let's move on to uh, the McLaren predictions. Of course, we've, you know, we've already had our rant about them already, but we're going to get to the positives now. Um, McLaren going into this race. Still third in the Constructors' Championship, just ahead of Ferrari now, fixed five points between the two of them in the Constructors' Championship. How do you see this going for McLaren Courtney? Will this be a weekend where McLaren can respond to, you know, without, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, the beating that they got to for up from Ferrari in Catalonia? The first one we've seen all season, really, where Ferrari had the upper hand at the end of the day. Can McLaren respond? And, you know, if so... You know, who's it going to be? Will Lando put in another superb performance or will Daniel Ricciardo continue on his uh, increase in form? I'm glad you've mentioned McLaren because I'm expecting Daniel Ricciardo to be one of the stars of this weekend because he had a solid weekend. He had a solid weekend in Barcelona. We saw improvements in his confidence with a new car and Daniel always does fantastic at this circuit. It always gets the very best out of him. You know, he's at his highs and his lows there, but He's always been there or thereabouts when he has a car fast enough to do it. I'm not saying he's going to win, but I think he will probably exceed the expectations of his car compared to many of the other drivers. Him and Charles Leclerc are the two that I reckon we should be keeping an eye on this weekend. It's very interesting you should say that. And uh, a good friend of mine who's a huge Daniel Ricciardo fan will be very happy to hear you say that. So, um, But... 
Yeah, it, it's going to be a big weekend for Ricardo. He really upped his game in Spain. I feel that McLaren just didn't really have the race pace that the Ferrari had. And, you know, Ricardo had a solid weekend. I, I don't think he was really complaining too much about struggling to get on top of the car. He seems to be growing in confidence, as we expected. And I think it's getting to that point now where we're starting to see what Daniel can really do. Some certain facets of it, but it's getting better. So that's only good news for McLaren. Lando Norris as well, um, you know, he had a difficult weekend in Spain. It wasn't his best weekend, but given the high standards that he has reached already this season, I think we can let him off for that one. You're never going to be fantastic every single weekend. But this weekend, of course, he's going to have to respond. The emerging challenge of Ferrari and Charles Leclerc in particular is going to be ever present at this weekend, I suspect, as well. So with that in mind, with Lando being such a great qualifier, is this a great opportunity for Lando to really lay down a marker, maybe even challenge for a podium? Of course, I think it's a great opportunity for both of the drivers. You know, given the track specifics of Monaco, it gives certain drivers more of a chance than they, than they usually would. So I'm expecting a solid weekend from Lando, but I just think that Daniel has a touch of magic around his circuit and I'm really expecting big things from him. So to clarify, you reckon if McLaren is going to get on the podium or if they've got a lead car, it's going to be Daniel this weekend yes, rather than Lando. Absolutely. Well, that's really interesting because, of course, Lando's been asked about this and he said, look, it's not my responsibility. And I'm paraphrasing here, so don't quote me on this. But he basically said along the lines of that it's not his responsibility to help Ricardo get on top of this McLaren. And, you know, he goes on to talk about that a little bit more detail. But the, the gist of it is, is that Lando's already recognising how serious this battle is between himself and Daniel Ricciardo and how big of an opportunity it is for him to let McLaren know that despite his much experienced teammate looking like he could end up being the number one driver, this is still very much Lando's team. So I've got no problem with Lando Norris saying that he's not obliged to help Ricardo get on terms with the McLaren because you don't expect Daniel in, if it was the opposite and Lando was a new kid coming into this team, that Daniel would pay him the same courtesy. No, at the end of the day, yes, Formula One is a team sport, but they're all there to be number one. And Lando's probably been accused in his early years of Formula One of being a bit too submissive to his teammate because they got on so well. And we, we spoke about this in pre-season. We expected Lando to come out more bullish because he's now fighting to sort of solidate his reputation in Formula One and sort of put himself in a position where he could challenge the championships in coming years. If he was just a fit to Daniel and sort of just coast along, then he'd become a forgotten asset of Formula One. So the fact that he's getting his elbows out and saying, no, I want to be the number one driver and he's not willing to help his teammate, I think that's, that's, that's a sign of strength, if anything. And it bodes well for Lando's future. Yeah, I mean, so far this season, of course, we've seen two occasions in Portimao and Imola where they've equally, both of them have had opportunities where they've had to benefit from their teammate allowing them to overtake. So, you know, for the benefit of their own race, actually, I should check that. Um, I think Lando did it in, yeah, Lando did it in Spain. Obviously, Ricardo did it for Lando in Imola. But that being said, I don't think we're going to be seeing that too often in the future when Ricardo gets to that point where he's on Lando's level in this McLaren. And that will not be very, very long. I'm pretty confident it could happen this weekend. So it could get very interesting between them two, which, of course, we should head over to the other team that will eventually have the same problem to deal with is Ferrari, who historically have always struggled 
to deal with two drivers that are battling with each other, which is why they've always preferred to have an out-and-out number one and number two. For the moment, Courtney, I think we can say, with all the respect in the world to Carlos Sainz and how well he is doing, that right now Ferrari do have an out-and-out number one in Charles Leclerc. What are you expecting from Charles Leclerc this weekend? And before you answer, I do want to add a little bit of a seed of doubt to this. Okay. As a Ferrari fan, but I will make this point. Charles Leclerc in his last four races at Monaco, including the two races he's had at F2, has not finished. Despite having the lap record in F2, when he won the championship that season, he has not finished at Monaco in the last four attempts since 2017, I believe. So... With that being said, how big is this weekend for Charles Leclerc on his home turf to really finally take, make the opportunity count and get a good result for himself and for Ferrari this weekend? That's exactly why I expect a strong weekend from him. Because, you know, we, we discussed Max earlier on in the episode. He, these, these drivers are clearly both very talented in what they do, but they seem to have a curse. It's almost like when your, your team comes up against a bogey team, that's like the one you look at in the fixture list going, you know what, I hope we beat them because they beat us usually every bloody time we face them. So I'm sure they both look at Monaco and think, you know what, we're really going to pour our energy into doing well in this, in this circuit. And let's not forget it is his home circuit as well. And there are going to be, there are going to be um, a percentage of fans in the circuit. So I think he's going to be absolutely filled with motivation. And you go to a circuit where you have to be on the top of your game in order to do well. I, I, that's why I said I expect big things from him as well as Daniel Ricciardo this weekend. Yeah, he's absolutely driving to a high level at the moment, Charles Leclerc. Showing to so many people that don't already know how good this kid really is and that once he's in a car that can compete for a world championship, I mean, we're reveling over the battle with Lewis and Max. Charles Leclerc in the right machinery could very much be a part of that as well. Um, you know, and certainly not, not look out of place. So, you know, it's just edifies the talent and the skill that he has shown already this season in a much improved car to what we were expecting and what we saw last season as well, which can only be good news for Ferrari. Carlos Sainz has equally been impressive at times and has shown glimpses of being on Leclerc's level in terms of outright pace, particularly in qualifying. This weekend, that could prove to be very, very useful for him. However, of course, his qualifying performances before the Spanish Grand Prix weren't exactly fantastic. But I think we can agree that we're expecting Carlos to do a bit better. I mean, we've said already, Courtney, how, how you feel Carlos has got on this season. But could this be a weekend where Carlos may be able to get one over on his teammate? I reckon in, in terms of raw pace, I think Charles Leclerc has will most likely have the edge given the level of motivation he'll have. But we're, we're going into a weekend where the races could well be chaotic and Carlos Sainz is very good at picking up scraps in chaotic races, which we saw in a couple of cases last season. So if we have one of those races, I reckon Carlos Sainz could be one of those that could get a good haul of points. Mm, absolutely i'm sure ferrari fans alike will hope that that is the case and he continues on his impressive form since joining the scuderia i'm going to put you on the spot before we move on to the rest of the field who do you think is going to come out on top this weekend between ferrari and mclaren you don't necessarily have to say a driver but which of the two teams do you know what i'm gonna say mclaren but mainly because of daniel i think daniel's really gonna excel no that's fair um i mean I wouldn't be a Ferrari fan. I didn't back my own team. But the reason why I feel like I back Ferrari this weekend is that 
other than the rear diffuser that McLaren have obviously been famous for this season, which the other teams have probably incorporated something like that to their cars, I feel Ferrari will probably have the better car around this circuit. It's a bit more nimble than McLaren. It's a little bit more stable. And I feel like, as I've said before on this podcast this season, that if you take all the engines out of the cars, I think Ferrari do have a better car than McLaren do. So the advantage of the Mercedes engine that McLaren obviously have against Ferrari will be mitigated more here than at most circuits on the calendar. So I just feel that if Leclerc can keep his nose clean, as he struggled to do in the past at Monaco, and Carlos Sainz has a solid race, it could be a very good weekend for Ferrari. But that being said, McLaren look equally as strong. So it's, that's going to be a great battle between those fours. We could very much see one of those four on the podium this weekend. But of course, we'll get into that a bit later on. Alpine now. Very, very interesting situation they find themselves in because all of a sudden Alpine have found some performance in their car to really put them in this fight between McLaren and Ferrari, or at least at the tail end of it. But they're still there. So with Esteban Ocon in particular, Courtney, putting in some brilliant qualifying performances at the last two races, could he be a bit of an antagonist in this fight with McLaren and Ferrari? And do you feel that this weekend we could see another masterclass from Esteban Ocon? Well, he's certainly been getting the attention of everybody. You know, in, in the space of a few weeks, he's gone from somebody that could potentially be losing his seat in Formula 1 altogether to there have been um, rumours of him potentially joining Mercedes. So I think that just shows how well he's been performing this season. Um, in terms of raw pace, I still think that McLaren and Ferrari will have the edge. I think there's still too much of a gap for them to have a real impact on that battle. But at the end of the day, all, um, all Esteban Ocon can do is do the best with the package that he has. So he could be another surprise package in the in the race itself. But I, I still think they're slightly they're still too far behind for um, Ferrari and McLaren. Yeah, but I mean, in qualifying, Esteban Ocon has proven to be quite the fawn in their side, if you like. So mm-hmm. this could be a weekend where if Ocon can deliver once again in qualifying. The uh, weaknesses of the Alpine car in the race may be mitigated because of Monaco's tight and twisty circuit. So, you know, with that all being said, this is a great opportunity, in my opinion, for Ocon to continue to raise his stock amidst all of the rumours that are going around regarding his future. Now, of course, we've said that, uh, you know, Alpine are a bit unsure as to whether or not to keep Ocon for next season. But in light of the talk with Mercedes and the rumours going around there with Toto Wolff, it does seem that Alpine seem to be quite keen now to try and tie Ocon down for his long-term future at the team. So, you know, this could be a very big weekend for Ocon. And I feel like if he can deliver in qualifying and keep his nose clean in the race, this could be the thing that this could be the catalyst, if you like, that gets Alpine into high gear. So we need to keep this guy the next season and perhaps beyond that, rather than looking elsewhere out of fear of losing into Mercedes or someone else. Um, let's move on to Fernando Alonso, two time winner around this circuit, 2006 and 2007 with Renault and McLaren. Probably not going to have the same sort of fortunes or pace this season, but um Going into this weekend, Courtney, is there a concern that Fernando is not just falling behind from his own teammate, but seems to not quite showcase the pace that we were hoping that he would have? He's another one of those drivers where he needs to be sort of 
getting used to the car faster than he actually has been because we've seen some we've, we've seen quite a few of the drivers have either changed teams or come into Formula One they've, they've struggled for whatever reason the cars but we've seen some of we've seen some of the other drivers get to grips with their cars and Fernando needs to be one of those people because it doesn't matter how big your name is Formula One is a ruthless sport you know particularly given the situation with not only Ocon but talks of Gasly joining the team we could go in this we could go from a situation where we're expecting Ocon to drop out to the point where they might be putting Alonso under pressure to keep his seat because he has to. He's, he's not one of those drivers that needs to be delivering in the next two races. Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, Fernando has to put in a big, big performance this weekend. I mean, he's no stranger to putting in a strong performance. I think it was 2012 in the Ferrari. He started in the pit lane and he ended up in P6. It would have been P5 if he was allowed to keep that position after overtaking Michael Schumacher at the final corner. So, um if anyone remembers that after the safety car had finished, that's old controversy there. So Fernando's no stranger to having to make overtakes, although these cars are considerably larger than they were in 2012. So he may find it harder to come by this season. But, um, you know, Fernando's had quite a lot of running in this Alpine car. He had a lot of running in the Renault last season, the young driver test, um, you know, the oldest guy in the young driver test ever. But, um, you know, he's had plenty of time in this car to sort of work out the kinks and try to get on top of things more than most. So I guess my point is that I feel a little worried as a fan of Fernando that he may not be able to find that something extra that only he can to, at very least, be on par with his younger much more experienced teammate in this car. Is that a fear that you share, Corny? Or do you feel that Fernando will eventually, as Ricardo did last season in the Renault, get on top of things? No, I, I completely agree. And, and again, it's the, it's, the, it's the Gasly aspect as well, because that, is, that, is, that isn't going to go away. I think it's becoming pretty clear that Gasly will be joining them pretty soon. If it's not next season, it'll be the season after. So, Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your name is. It seems that Fernando could be on borrowed time already. It's, it's harsh, but that's just the reality of the sport. Yeah, it could be. But of course, we'll hope for the best of Fernando. But it's going to be a very interesting weekend. I think he needs to get a decent haul of points uh, and put in a much solid performance because right now his teammate is outshining him at the moment. And Fernando really, really has to respond. But we know he can. Let's just hope he can bring his A game this weekend. So let's move on to a few other teams now at the back of the field, Courtney. We've got Alpha Tauri, of course, Pierre Gasly once again in the points last weekend, as he was the week before. Pierre's doing a relatively good job at the moment, considering the downturn in fortunes from Alpha Tauri, which has taken a lot of people by surprise because at one point they had probably the third or fourth fastest car at Bahrain, or at least after testing. But it seems already that they've missed their best opportunity to score big, big points. And right now they seem to be straggling and scraping away to try and get a point, which Gasly is doing really, very well at. Is there a fear that AlphaTauri may have to look towards next season? Or do they feel that there's still something for them in this championship and perhaps they haven't really found the maximum potential in this car? Oh, I agree with that. I think they could well be looking to next season. I think what we have seen is several teams struggled in pre-season at the very start of the season with the, the slight tweak in regulations we saw. I think the only team that we're really seeing continue to struggle with the regulation change is Aston Martin. Apart from that, we've seen all the other teams make gains in that regard. And it seemed that Alpha Tarry was one of the main teams that benefited from the tweak in regulations. But unfortunately, 
with the other teams getting the grips of it, it seems to have suffered as a consequence. So mm. it just it seems that Alpha Tauri are going to be sort of one of the most quietest teams this season. And all but, again, all their drivers can do is get the best out of their car. And we've seen Pierre Gasly do it on countless occasions. And if he's thinking about his, his, his future, you know, looking for that move to Alpine, he's going to want to be on his game. Yeah, I worry for him because there's a few drivers this season that I feel could very much lose a seat in Formula One altogether, not just um, in their own team. You know, Bottas is one of them, Gasly and Ocon as well, despite us feeling a lot more confident about Ocon. But unlike the other two, Gasly is will have a hard time sticking out and being able to showcase to everyone how good he is because he's been very much under the radar this season, purely simply because AlphaTauri have been underwhelming compared to where we expected them to be um, following preseason testing and the Bahrain Grand Prix. So those are the fears that I have for Pierre. I certainly hope that there is a future for him in the sport because he's such a talented driver. And I feel like he's starting to reach much, much higher levels, especially after getting his maiden victory at Monza last season. It's after everything that he's been through, I think he deserves the opportunity. Whether he gets that or not, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Yuki Sonoda equally needs a strong weekend. We've seen glimpses of brilliance from Sonoda, but the last couple of weeks he's been becoming more and more frustrated, making comments about the car being terrible, which of course he had to backtrack on and apologise following the Spanish Grand Prix. And he hasn't really had the best of luck in avoiding incidents or getting himself into situations which perhaps a more experienced driver may have tried to prevent. So with all that being said, how do you feel he's going to get on this weekend, Courtney? He has to turn it around in terms of his attitude. You know, he seems like a great guy. He's very popular. We both like the guy. But coming into a circuit where he's so unforgiving, if you start racing on that circuit with a chip on your shoulder or you're racing a banger, you're going to end up in a barrier. So this weekend will be a massive learning curve for him and some of the other drivers, some of the younger drivers. This is going to be a massive learning curve for them one way or the other. Yeah, could well be. And hopefully we'll see the best of Sonoda because there's so much potential there. But he just needs to calm things down. And in a track like Monaco, you can't afford to be driving on pure emotion. You have to be relaxed. You have to find the groove. And if you're unsettled in the way that Sonoda has been the last couple of races, he could find himself in a barrier very, very easily at this circuit more than most. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to them on that one. Aston Martin. Possibly another difficult weekend for them, Courtney. I mean, I appeared on another podcast this week and I said that this could potentially be Aston Martin's most difficult weekend this season, purely because of the difficulties with the car and the fact that they have really struggled for that mechanical grip, which the racing point last season was so good for, although we know why that was. But, um, you know, how do you feel things are going to go for this uh, for this Aston Martin team this weekend, do you feel that they're going to be able to find something this weekend? Or do you feel that they may have to rely on a bit of a lottery in order to score some points? I think their weekend relies on Sebastian Vettel. This is one of the one of the circuits where driver talent comes into the equation the most. And if we see any glimpses of the Sebastian Vettel of old, and we've, we, we're seeing slight glimpses, but this is where Aston Martin really needs Sebastian Vettel to turn up. Because yeah. this is going to be a good opportunity. If, if he does, he could outperform the car. This is the this is going to be one of the best opportunities for him to do it. Yeah, he could do so. I mean, Sebastian knows his way around the circuit. Another two-time winner here in 2011 with Red Bull and 2017 with Ferrari. So, 
you know, Sebastian is very handy around Monaco. He knows this circuit extremely well. This is, could be a race, as you said, Courtney. I, I also said, despite Aston Martin struggling, I thought Vettel might get a point as a bold prediction. And, you know, the last race in Spain, Vettel, I felt over the course of the season through virtue of misfortune or just a mistake in the moment, he's not really been able to be in the have an opportunity to showcase his improvements. And I think steadily he's been getting better. In Barcelona, they brought all these new parts to his car as they did with Stroll, and it proved to be nil effective. Didn't really get any results for them, which would have been a massive kick in the teeth for them. But this weekend could be more about the driver and hopefully for Seb. And I really hope this happens because I absolutely love Sebastian Vettel. And I hope that he does well this weekend. Lance Stroll, you know, I, I expect a decent performance from Lance Stroll this weekend, but could be very much limited by what the car is capable of. But we'll just have to wait and see. It It's underwhelming more than anything else, but it's quite, I don't want to say disappointing. It just kind of feels like the wind has been taken out of their sails, given the momentum that they would have had from last season and perhaps feeling that they were wrongly, um, you know, ruled out of taking third place owing to that decision early in the season with the uh, copygate, if you like, scandal with Mercedes. But um, it just seems that, this season, they've lost all of that amongst the legal battles over the regulation changes. And it's just going to be a real uphill battle for Aston Martin. And I just feel personally that they may have to look to next season already if this Aston Martin project is going to work. Because there's so much hype around it. But right now, it just seems like a one of the biggest fall storms in Formula One history. I think if you look at most of the teams on that grid, in terms of their future reputation, I think next season is probably the most important for Aston Martin. Mm. it's massive for them because, you know, there's been a lot of hype surrounding this team. So they really need to pull something out of the bag for these big regulation changes. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, let's move on to Alfa Romeo. Another team that has been relatively under the radar this season. And I think that's because a lot of people expected them to be quick, but that's kind of been masked by their Friday pace, kind of overshadowing or misleading people because they tend to run lighter than anybody else in these sessions, historically speaking, and it seems to be the same this season. Do you expect anything in particular from uh, from Alfa Romeo this weekend in terms of points or a good result? And if so, who do you think is going to do that for them? I think they're going to have a quiet one. I think they're going to have a very average weekend, but uh, if anybody will do it, I think it's going to be Kimi. This is one of the, this is, this is one of the circuits, again, this is one of the circuits where the big names have an opportunity to get a result. So if they do, I reckon it'd be Kimmy. Yeah, I mean, Kimmy Raikkonen's obviously had a decent record at this circuit as well. I'm just looking through the list of, you know, drivers that have won here several times over. I think Kimmy's, I can't remember, I know Kimmy Raikkonen's won here, I can't remember the year. That's terrible. I, I usually prep rather well for this, but with Kimmy, I'm completely blank. So I do apologise. I'm sure Kimmy's won round here. It might have been, in the early 2000s, in McLaren, might have been 2003 or something. It might have been 2004, actually. I'm not sure. Um, well, unless that was Yano Trulli in the Renault. Anyway, I digress on that. <laughs> I, I digress on this one. I completely get lost in thought half this time, guys. So if you do know, do let me know. Um, but it's yes, all good. But yes, I actually think this could be a good weekend if anyone's going to do it for Alfa Romeo. I think Antonio Giovinazzi. Really? Um, yeah, I, I just think the last couple of weeks... Giovinazzi has been driving rather well for Alfa Romeo and I feel like he's been able to get more out of the car than Kimi has and 
you know, Kimi had that incident where he drove into Giovinazzi in Portimao in Spain. Giovinazzi looked quicker than Kimi. I think we're starting to see signs that Giovinazzi up in his game a little bit now to try and fight to keep his seat Alfa Romeo, whereas Kimi seems to be not disinterested, but seems to be falling away a little bit and not really too worried about trying to pick it up. I mean, we know Kimi. It's a hobby for him. We've said that often. Uh, anyone that's seen Drive to Survive uh, will know that quote and that reference. But I just feel that right now there's only one driver in that team that's really putting it all together to get the most that he can out of this car. And then Kimmy's just doing what Kimmy does best when he'll be competitive. It's Kimmy Raikkonen. That's what he does. But I just feel like Giovinazzi's trying to go the extra mile right now. And I feel like that's showing in his performances and it's steadily improving. So I think if anyone's going to do it for them, it's going to be him. Yeah, well, we'll agree to disagree. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, we can't agree on everything, as we so exactly. often do on this podcast. Um, Williams. Now, another team, it's going to be so hard to tell what Williams is going to do. I feel like I've got a swear jar here every time I mention peaky downforce with this car. I'm not really going to talk about that because I feel like this circuit's not really going to matter too much for that. Mm. Um, you know, But that being said, this could be a good weekend potentially for Williams if George Russell can put together one of his standard qualifying performances, which has been so common now. We don't even talk about it as if it's an unlikely event or it's an, a shock. It happens week in, week out. So if George can put a good qualifying performance and he's been perilously close to Q3, let alone Q2, this could be a weekend where he may actually get that first point for Williams. I mean, we say this every week now, but perhaps this oh, no. weekend he might get some fortune. He certainly owed some. Um, this, yeah. this weekend is his best chance of score points to Williams. No doubt about it. You know, his qualifying form is brilliant, but he's suffered generally in on the on the Sunday. So this is going to be his best opportunity. We've seen Jules Bianchi do it, putting in an inspired race, you know, even though he had one of the slowest cars on the grid. This could be it. We don't want to jinx it. Fingers crossed for George. This could be the weekend he finally gets his points for Williams. I certainly hope so. I really, really do. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure it's going to happen eventually for George this season. It's got to happen somewhere where he's going to get his point. It could be this weekend. It could be some other weekend. We'll still keep bringing it up until he does it. So let's see. Um, I'm not expecting miracles from Latifi. I would say for him, a good result would be to be in the fight like George's and just keep his nose clean and drive a solid race. And most importantly, finish ahead of the Haas car, um, excuse me, Haas cars. Yeah, talking of Haas, all right. I was having a thought because I was, I was, you're always thinking ahead, like, so which team? Could Nikita Mazepin play a part in the result of this race? Because he hasn't been keen, has he? He hasn't been keen to get out of the way. It's been quite the, one of the biggest talking points, actually. So we could have a, we could be in a position where he holds up somebody, particularly if strategy comes into it, he could hold up somebody and rob them of so much time. Hmm. They could decide the outcome of the race. There's always the potential, but then I suppose most of the people at the track this weekend will be fortifying their houses out of fear he's going to do something crazy or end up in one of them. <laughs> um, I mean, we saw years ago when Kimi had to retire from the Monaco Grand Prix and he en ended up on a yacht, um, which must have been a really fun time if Kimi Raikkonen turns up on your yacht. You might end up with Mazepin in the car turning up on someone's <laughs> yacht. Um, no, but all jokes aside, you're absolutely right, Courtney. You know, the way that his conduct, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, has come into question this season. 
we could see a scenario where he may gain someone's way in the race and it could affect the outcome of the win. I mean, it depends on how it's timed because if, if there's pit stop windows going around and he obviously gets in someone's way, like Hamilton or Verstappen, etc., that could prove to be the vital difference that the race needs in order to change the result. So there is that fear. But I imagine that someone has probably had a few words. Gunther Steiner in particular has probably had a few words with Nikita to say, look, I will put 10, 20 mirrors on your car to make sure that your eyes are absolutely peeled to make sure that you don't get in anyone's way. Because I think personally, I felt with the blue flag swing with Lewis Hamilton, I felt like it was a bit premature because I didn't think Lewis was close enough at the time when Total Wolf was on the radio saying about Mazepin. But I can understand their concern given that so much is at stake. And the last thing that they want is to drive into the back of, of the Haas or have the Haas drive into them and not see that, see them. So we'll have to wait and see. Well, it's definitely something worth watching. I'm, I'm not even yeah. joking. I think it's something worth looking out for. It could happen. It's it's almost happened. He almost drove into Perez. He's obviously caused problems to some other drivers. I mean, that overtake on Giovinazzi in Imola qualifying was a bit bizarre, or pr- practice, I should say. So, yeah, it, it could happen eventually. Hopefully it doesn't, but you never know with this guy it could what could happen. Um, Mick Schumacher, equally in a difficult race, potentially, but... I can't really say I'm expecting much more from Mick other than him just keeping his nose clean, driving his own race and seeing where he ends up. I think that's all you can ask of the guy. Yeah, I couldn't pull it any better myself, Adam. It, 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 with Monaco, if you keep your nose clean, you have a chance against something special here compared to other tracks. This is where performance isn't as important. So you're right, for some of these drivers aren't expecting much. Keep your nose clean and you never know what will happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his father, Michael, obviously very, very successful at this circuit, winning five times at the Monaco Grand Prix. Not expecting Mick to add his name to that legendary list of multiple winners like Senna and Schumacher in particular this time around. But you never know, you know, what the future could hold. Another Schumacher may find his name up there at some point. But yeah, another weekend for Mick where he just goes about his business, does his job and potentially challenge the Williams guys. I think that's not too much to ask for. Before we wrap this up, Courtney, let's go straight to our top three predictions. Who do we think are going to be in our top three? Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm not expecting a Hamver bot, which has often been the most, which is the most Mm. common podium in Formula One now. I'm not expecting that this weekend, but I'm going to ask you where you see this one going. Okay, I'm going to be basic. Okay, I'm going to be basic and go the... Ham bot. Okay, we're mixing it up a bit. So you feel Verstappen will get the upper hand on Lewis and Bottas to come third? Yeah, I really do. I reckon that's how it's going to end. That's interesting. I think a lot of people are going that way this weekend, not just based on what we're saying. I mean, we're just fans like anyone else. We have no credibility. But um, yeah, I can very see that happening. Um, I'm going to be difficult because I'm going to be consistent, actually, to what I said on the other podcast I appeared on. Um, but by the way, that was Grid Talk for anyone that wonders what I'm referring to. Grid Talk that did their preview this weekend. So check out their channel to hear my insight and obviously other people's as well if you're interested. But um, I am going to go with Verstappen to win, Hamilton second, and Leclerc P3. Now, I did say that last week, uh, last time out of the Catalonia race, but I feel this race qualifying could be critical. And I just feel Leclerc in that Ferrari, he could do something where he could, mm. you know, like he did. In Spain, we got ahead of Bottas and was fighting for P3 until obviously Bottas was able to overpower him after the pit stops. I feel that that may not be a factor this weekend and Shell might be able to keep that P3. 
Well, we've, we've, we've spoken highly of him. And this is the one circuit where he can do it. So not going to rule it out. No. Let's not rule it out. I'm expecting a surprise entry on the podium this season, like or, or this race, either Ferrari or McLaren. But I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to stick with Charles P3. Um, but that's what we think, guys. Of course, let us know what you think in the comments below. Who do you think is going to be in our top three? And give us a bold prediction as well. Something random but something you think might equally happen but until then guys thank you so much for checking out this video if you have enjoyed this episode of podcast please please give it a like really helps us out a lot and please consider subscribing to the dnf1 youtube channel as well and of course thank you to everyone that listens to our podcast on all major podcasting platforms as well we love you guys so much and we really enjoy making content for you and these last couple of weeks have been fantastic for the channel and that's all down to you guys showing us love and support so please please continue to do so we absolutely appreciate it until then guys though enjoy the monaco grand prix this weekend i'm sure it's going to be a great event but please please stay safe thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care see you soon Podcast Network.